Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues the series, Going Mobile. Many of us have become very comfortable in our Christian faith, but Brandon challenges us that it's time to rise up in boldness and share what Christ has given us. So often we think that the gospel is only about us, but the truth is it is very little about us and much more about those who have yet to hear it. All right. Are you glad to be here this morning? I'm excited, man. This is awesome. We're going to have a good time. Um, if you were here last week, um, one of the things that we, we did, we started a new message series. Uh, it's going to be four messages, um, and the message series is entitled Going Mobile. The way we started thinking about this, one day I was just in my prayer time reading my, reading my Bible. I actually do that. Um, and we, I was reading it, and, and it just started hitting me about how everything in the world is, is really going mobile. I mean, it's about how much better iPhone can be than Droid. It's, it's, it's kind of like this race going on with who can have the coolest, who, uh, coolest, the coolest um, phone. And so what we, what we thought about was the whole world is going mobile. What's wrong with the church? You know, why, why are we still stuck inside the four walls here? Why aren't we out making people know more about Jesus, lifting Jesus high so that he would draw all men to himself as his word promises, right? Anybody in agreement that we could do a better job as the church of going and finding those people that are lost and who are missing um, the life that Jesus would have for them? One person. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so this is, this is what we're doing. And, and I want to give you, this is sort of an announcement, sort of an introduction to the message, I guess. But on August 29th, we're doing something that I've never been a part of. I don't know of it being done, um, you know, that I've heard in this area. We're going to do something that's going to be absolutely incredible. We're going to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. And on August the 29th, we're meeting here at 830, both services. So go ahead and get up. You know, you get up to go to a Georgia Southern football game if you had to. So get up and come serve Jesus at 830. Um, and so when you get here, we're going to have tables set up that are going to have different cards on them that are going to say stuff from construction to landscaping to um, cleaning to um, uh, visiting with people in the nursing home, all kinds of things that you can do and volunteer. And a little before 9, about 8.45, we are going out of this church, out of the four walls, and we're going to serve people with the love of Christ. And it's going to be amazing. I hope you'll be here. I'm going to be so disappointed if we have 250, 300 people on Sunday and then 100 show up that Sunday because I believe that this is going to show us the health of the body of Christ in this church. Are we willing to go out and to serve the way Jesus called us to serve? And that's what we're going to find out on August the 29th at 830. It's going to be about three to five hours long. Listen, if you have children, they're going to be well taken care of. Zero through five is going to... um, Stay here, and they'll be taken care of. They're going to have games, activities, all kinds of things going on. That'll be fun for them. They'll have worship, lessons, um, cool stuff going on for them. First through fifth grade, they're going to actually serve them serve as well. They're going over first to Gentilly Gardens, which is an assisted living. They're going to do crafts with the people at the, the, the um, assisted living home. They're going to come back, eat lunch, and then they're going to Little Lots Creek Apartments to uh, love on and do some VBS um, activities with the kids there at Little Lots. We've got all kinds of this, and I promise you this, I don't care how young or how old you are, there's something you can do. If you don't like the heat, we will put you in an air condition, okay? But we're doing some cool stuff. We're actually planning to put a roof on an entire house that day. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, 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 and I feel like we'll finish it, you know, I feel like we can do this, but if we don't, I'll finish it on Monday. So, but we're going to go and, and we're going to try to do some awesome stuff for people just to show them the love of God. I'll put it to you this way. There's going to be four messages in this series. I'm preaching the first three, you're preaching the fourth. So if you want to think about it like that, you're going to go out and you won't have to be on the corner of Statesboro and, you know, on Zedariah and 67 with a bullhorn telling people to turn or burn. We're not going to do that kind of thing. We're going, to show them, we're going to show them the reality of Jesus by the Holy Spirit working through us to love and serve other people. And so I hope and pray that you will be a part of that opportunity. I believe that you will be more blessed than you could possibly imagine when you go and serve people in the name of Jesus. And so that's going along with our Going Mobile series um, that we've been tackling. We're going to continue that today. Um, I want to read to you Matthew. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, beginning there and going through. Um, verse 20. It says, Matthew 28, 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray, God. Thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for the the, the way that you welcome us, God. Dead in our transgressions and yet made alive in Christ because you love us and you gave yourself up for us, took the punishment that we deserve. God, I thank you for that. Father, I pray that today your word would come alive inside of us, that it would be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that our lives would be radically changed so that we could go and share the love of Jesus with others. God, in the way we act and in the way that we live, that we would personify Christ. And God, that in the way we share your your word with other people and your love for them, our testimony of what you've done in our heart, pierce us today, change us at the core. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, how many of you have something kind of like this? Um, not, not exactly like it because this is like not your keychain that you keep in your pocket because then you'd be like, hey, idiot, yeah, everybody's got one of those. But one of these keychains that's kind of got like 25, 30 keys, some of you younger folks may not have gotten to this point yet. You may have a starter keychain set that you've got like five keys on. But, but here's the thing. There's probably like 25, 30 keys on here. And, and the crazy thing is how many keys on here do you think I actually know what they go to? Like, that I actually know. Just somebody, throw out some numbers. What do you think? Four, three, two. Let me help you. One. One key that I actually know what it goes to. One key, and it goes to a storage unit, and I use that key about three times a year. It's amazing that the storage stuff, the stuff we have accumulated is so important, I actually open the door three times a year. But, but I know what one key goes to. Now, here's the thing I was thinking about this this week. I think the Bible is a lot like that. See, there are so many keys in the Scripture. There are so many um, um, promises in the Scripture. And yet, it's almost like we've got them all there, but we don't even use them. We don't, we don't even really know what they go to. 
And so today, the thing that going with this going mobile thought that I want to talk to you about is some keys that, that, that we have got to realize out of the word of God that we've got to begin to use and practice if we are going to see um, this community and this world change. If the church is going to finally wake up and become what it's supposed to be, that we would actually begin to do a few of these things that God has called us to do out of his words. I'm only going to give you three and we're going to get out of here. That means I have got about 27 minutes right? I did it in the first service. It was amazing. I don't know the last time I preached for like 25, 30 minutes, but God moved. It was a miracle. And we got done and everybody was out by 10, 15, well, 10, 17, but that was pretty good. So God's already moving in miracles here. I believe we'll do it again. And this is what I want to talk to you about is with these keys, because I want to talk to you about the keys to the kingdom growth. How many of you want to see the kingdom grow? Yeah. You know, people want to say, well, it's not about numbers. Yes, it is about numbers. It is about people coming into the kingdom of God. When it's not about numbers is when it's about our ego and it's about how big a church we can build. When it's about stamping a number on somebody's forehead when they walk through the door. When it's not about numbers is is, is when we have a problem because we're doing it for the wrong reason. It becomes about numbers when you are truly trying to reach people for the kingdom of God and you truly believe that without Jesus Christ, they perish. And so we're going to begin to look at these things. and, And the first one is this. First one is this. Key number one. If we're going to see the world change, and this is, this is so profound. I mean, you've got to get ready. If, you, if, if you're going to grab this, you've got to be ready. This is so profound. If we're going to see the world change for the glory of God, the church has got to go mobile. Have you heard that before? Like five times already this morning? The church has got to go mobile. And it's so simple. And it was so clear in the early church that the church had to go mobile. But somehow we have missed that. I mean, come on. How many churches have we sat in that when we walk through the door, that is it. That is all. We get up, we hear a message, we sing some songs, and we leave. And we never tell anybody about what Jesus has done. Come on now. Anybody else convicted about that other than me? That we come in and we play church, we play a religious game, and then all of a sudden we leave here and we never say a word about it to anybody else. God's not calling us that. I don't believe Jesus Christ died on a cross, went to God, the Father in heaven, sent back his Holy Spirit to empower us so that we can just sit on our hands and not go and tell others about what Jesus has done for us. Right? Because we are called to share the good news. It is good news. How blessed are we that we are able to carry the good news of Jesus Christ to people. But for some reason, we get in this place where, where man, we just kind of hide from it. We don't want to tell people. It's difficult, right? It's difficult. But there comes a place when we've got to realize that is what we're called to do. Um, I believe that the church has hidden inside the walls, these four walls, for far too long. I believe that, that God is calling the church. I believe, listen, I don't know when the day is going to be when Jesus comes back, as his word says, but I know this, we are closer today than we were yesterday. And we need to have a, a desperation about this. We need to have a desperation about going and telling people about the love of Christ. If your heart has been changed by Jesus, how can you hold that in? How can you keep that to yourself? It'd be like having a cup of water and there's a guy over here who is thirsting to death and you're like, I ain't giving you my water. We can't do that. And, and what amazes me is somehow Christians who are, who are born again, who are alive because of Christ, who were dead in their transgressions, and now they've been forgiven of their sins, made alive by Jesus, made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit, they come to a place where it's almost like we're ashamed to tell people about the gospel, right? 
You go to work and, and you go to class and somebody's like, oh gosh, I got a headache. And, and, and we're like, oh man, well, hope you feel better. What if we were like, hey man, let me pray for you. What if, what if somebody's having a bad day and they're going through it and what do we do? We're like, oh, God bless you. We don't want to have that conversation because it's almost like we're ashamed. We're embarrassed about Christ. What if, they, what if they ridicule us? What if they make fun of us? What if they do? Jesus said that would happen. Are you living for God or man? We're living for God. If we are in Christ, we're living for God. But somehow we're ashamed. When I was about 10 or 12 years old, anybody remember being 10 or 12 years old? Some of you are like, oh, that was like 45 years. No, 10 or 12 years old. Um, you know, when you're 10, 12 years old, something like that, it's one of those really impressionable times in your life. Wouldn't you agree? That it's one of the most insecure times. I really think that people from doing youth ministry, when they get to around 11, 12 years old, they turn into aliens and they don't come back to humanity until they're like 24, 25, something like that. So we got a lot of aliens. But, but it's true. I mean, just, just a real difficult time for a lot of people when they're going through that, Right? I mean, they're going through that time of that 10, 12. Well, not that I wasn't already a little insecure on my own, um, but my mom and dad, you, know, you get to that age where they, they just kind of embarrass you, and you're just like, oh, gosh. I mean, my dad used to coach, like, my Little League baseball games, and he would wear those, those coaching shorts that were really tight <laughs> with, the, with the Lifesaver tube socks. And he's out there, you know, with his shirt tucked in and like that, you know, and I'm like, come on, dad. You know, this, this was like in the mid, late 80s and and it wasn't even cool. That was like 70s stuff, you know, but he's still out there with his coaching shorts and his lifesaver socks. And I'm like, oh man, it's so embarrassing. And, and so I was already kind of dealing with those issues that every, every teenager deals with. And then my mom and dad went to the Ford place and bought this car. Has anybody ever heard of a Ford Tempo? Raise your hand if you've heard of a Ford Tempo. A little few more hands than the first service, but, but here's the funny thing about it. How many of you have heard of a Ford Taurus? Car of the year, lots of hands. Lots of hands because it was car of the year for several years. Good car, really good car. Well, guess what? The Tempo was not. The, the Tempo was not the car of the year. In fact, I think the reason that so few people know about the Ford Tempo is because I think they only made one and we got it. I think it was like a lab car. They made it and they're like, hey, here, you gotta drive it. I'm surprised they didn't just give it to us because it was a piece of junk, right? It was bad. And and so it had a knack for every time we went somewhere and me being already kind of nervous, insecure, embarrassed easily. Every time we went somewhere, it had a knack for embarrassing me specifically with its um, fan belt. Now, what would happen is as we're going somewhere, we would pull up, say mom's dropping me off at the movie theater to hang with the guys, maybe talk to some girls, you know, all the, the, the cool stuff. And we'd pull up and it never failed that when we would pull up, it'd go, so loud. I mean, so loud. And I'd be like, oh gosh. And right in front of everybody, we pull up at the line at school to get out in the morning. And as soon as I start to get out of the door, it'd be like, and the little smoke might come out, you know, and, and everybody's looking like, you know, and I was like, oh great. And so this thing was so embarrassing. I'd ride around it and like try to slump down where people couldn't see me. And especially when you, when you would start it, you turn the key and it just be, you know, just this long thing. And you'd be like praying. You'd be, you might, I wasn't even a Christian. And I'd just be praying, dear Jesus, stop that thing. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It's embarrassing. One day we go to um, the bank and we're in line at the bank and there's a car in front of us, a car behind us. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden smoke 
starts billowing out from under the hood. And it was my mother driving, a friend of hers who was, who was legally blind, sitting in the seat next to her, and me in the back seat. And we're stuck. We can't go anywhere. And all of a sudden, smoke starts billowing out. And they were like, oh, guys, what's going on? What's happening? What's happening? The car caught on fire in line at the bank. My mom's friend, who was like legally blind, couldn't, could hardly see anything. She's like, what's happening? What's happening? She didn't know what's going on. I'm in the back seat. I'm like, God, just let it burn down. I'm staying in it. I'm, you can kill me. I am staying right here because this is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. I am in line at the bank and the car is burning to the ground. And, and so my mom like had the, it was like when you didn't hardly have cell phone, but she knew the guy's um, name at the, at the place, at the Ford place, who drove the, the wrecker. And she just called him and be like, hey, Bob, whatever his name was, hey, come get me again. He's like, where are you this time? And so she called and he'd come get us. But, but it was so embarrassing. But sometimes I feel like that's how we are with the gospel. That sometimes I feel like we get to a place where, oh gosh, you know, we go into church and we're like, we get here and we're like, how art thou, brother? We're like, great to see you today. Things are wonderful in my world. How are they in yours? And, and we come in and then we leave, but then we just like get ashamed. We're like, God, you know, Jesus died for me. Well, then why don't you tell somebody about it? Why don't we tell somebody about what God did in our heart? Why don't we tell somebody about the life-changing power of God or either just admit we don't really believe what we say? Is that not the truth? It is that, that we need to get to a place where we are willing to share our faith. And listen, I've heard people say this. Well, you preach a message every day and use words when necessary. I agree with that, right? But at some point, you have to open your mouth and tell people why you are the way you are. So do you live a life that honors and glorifies God and shows people the reality of Jesus? Or do you tell people about his love and grace and what he's done in your heart? Yes, you do both. And we've got to get to a place where we're not ashamed. People will say, well, I'm not an evangelist. Who said? Show me where it tells me. It didn't say, and some of you should go and make disciples of all nations. It says, therefore, go. The only other option is to be disobedient. To be disobedient. So we had the car. It was embarrassing, but I wonder sometimes how much we're like that. The second key is this. Look at Acts chapter 1. We're going to read 1 through 8. It says, In my former book, Theophilus, I like that name. It kind of rolls off your Theophilus. It's kind of like Mufasa. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this, this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father that my father promised, which you have heard of me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But listen, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So many times we make the Holy Spirit about so many things, and the Holy Spirit is so multifaceted. It is so, so multifaceted. But we need to see that when the Holy Spirit came into the world, it came into a people who had a missional mindset. They were already thinking, Jesus has told us to go. Now, when we receive this power, it's going to be time to go. The second key is that kingdom growth is the result of the Holy Spirit's work. 
We can't manipulate it. We can't make it happen. The only way it happens is when we allow the Holy Spirit to begin working through us. But then again, the Holy Spirit is kind of mysterious. Would anybody agree with that? It's kind of mysterious. We call it the Holy Ghost, and people start freaking out and shouting and like, la, 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 you know? And, 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 and so we, we, we get a little confused about it because you can't see it, you know? You feel him sometimes, but you can't really see it. And, and so it's kind of hard to explain, kind of like this. We were at the doctor Thursday. I was there with Jackson, for my youngest son, for his four-year-old checkup. And we're sitting there, and I'm still trying to figure out how we were the only people in the waiting room, and it still took six hours for us to get back. It was like actually two hours. I mean, we're sitting there. I'm like, my goodness. I was like, are they back there playing tic-tac-toe checkers? What's going on? They got a wee back there because I'm kind of trying to figure out why are we here so long? And so we're sitting out there. I'm trying to entertain a four-year-old. Well, then he stops and looks at me, and he says, Daddy. Last night, I dreamed I went moose hunting. I'm like, cool, man. He's like, I had a bow and arrow. Brucey, who's my nephew, had a bow and arrow. And Jeff, who's my brother-in-law, had a bow and arrow. And he's into this story, and he's telling me all about this story that he dreamed. And he looks at me in the middle of a sentence, and he says, Dada, why didn't you let me shoot that moose? I was like, son, and then I'm like, oh, how do I explain this? I'm like, you know, son, here's the deal. I, I wasn't actually in your dream. And he goes, well, you were there. And he starts getting an attitude because I wouldn't let him shoot the moose. And I'm like, son, I really, it wasn't me. It was like a story in your head. And it, was, it wasn't really me there. And he's like, well, you wouldn't let me shoot the moose, dad. And so he's getting all upset with me. And sometimes I feel like the Holy Spirit can be that way because, you know, we can kind of get the Father. We kind of get Jesus and, and who Jesus is because he was like us. We, we can have some understanding of a Father, whether good or bad. So we kind of understand those two things. But then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and especially when you start talking about the Holy Ghost and you get all excited, man, people just don't know how to relate to that. And so how do we, how do, we do that? The only thing I know to tell you is what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says this, and this is the truth, that until we become filled with the Holy Spirit, we like the power to do anything. We like the power to do anything. When you become a believer in Christ, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you read the Bible, there are many subsequent feelings. feelings. I'm telling you, we need to be filled every day. Every day that your foot hits the floor, we need to ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. But the Bible says in John chapter 7 that the Holy Spirit will flow out of us like rivers of living water. It's a constant flow. We are being filled with the Holy Spirit. When we press into God, we attach ourselves to the vine. He begins to flow through us and in us. And it gives us the boldness to be able to stand up and confess who Christ is. Think about the disciples before they ever um, began to really preach the gospel. They were scared to death. Even after they had seen the risen Christ. Don't you think that like you'd be like, heck yeah, man, I've seen him. He's alive. Let's go. Woo-hoo. They saw him and they went fishing. And then the day of Pentecost comes, they get filled with the spirit of God. And there's a new boldness that comes on them where they were willing to die for the preaching of the gospel. And I believe that that's where we need to get to is this place where we begin to be filled and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, because something happens. I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, but when the Spirit of God comes into you, and it is like there is truly a fire on the inside of you, and if you don't press into God, it feels like you will die. And if you don't tell somebody about God, it feels like you will just die. It is, it is truly, as the Bible says, like fire caught up in your bones. It is, it is living a life of God because of what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. And you begin to not worry so much about what anybody else says because you have an assurance that it's not about today. It's about eternity. And I have already entered eternity because Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. 
And so we get to a place where we don't care. I had somebody tell us this week, one of the people who's a member of our church came up to me and said, I had somebody this week ask me if I was a part of a cult. And I was like, a cult? I was like, what did you say? They were like, I told them, yeah, man, we are. We like handle snakes. We do all this. And I was like, no. she's like, no, it really didn't. Um, but, but I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter what people say because long ago, God spoke to my heart and said, let the fruit of the ministry speak for itself. Let the fruit of the ministry speak for itself. Don't defend yourself. And when you have the assurance of God that comes through the working of the Holy Spirit, you can be bold. You can love people boldly. And you can begin to tell them about the gospel. And it doesn't make you want to um, run. I mean, because come on, let's be honest. A lot of people would just soon run away than tell people about what Jesus has done in their life. One time, um, I was grilling. This was probably three years ago. Um, I was uh, getting the grill ready. We were going to cook some chicken or some hamburgers or something. And I like to cook on charcoal in a pinch. I'll do gas. But I, like, I just like charcoal, you know? You got the fire. It's kind of like man time, you know? You're like, rrr, fire, rrr, rrr, rubbing sticks together. You know, it's just good times, right? And so I'm out there, and I'm lighting it. And so I put the lighter fluid on it. And then, and then I go over, and I threw the match on it. And it's like, and I'm like, yeah. And so I go in. <laughs> And, and I walked inside, and I'm in there getting some stuff ready. And, um, and, and I, just, I decided, well, it's probably about time to cook. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It's, like, so disappointing. You walk out there, and the coals are just dead. You know, no fire at all. And I'm like, man, a little bit of smoke. You know, you can see a little bit. But nothing really happened. And so I'm like, all right, well, I, um, I need to relight this. So I take the lighter fluid, you know, all over it again. And then I take out a match. And I was like, I'm going to light this again, but this time... I'm going to make sure I get it in there really good so this thing burns. And so I light the match, and I'm going in. It was one of those barrel kind of things. And so my head would fit just perfectly right in there. And I don't know if you know where this is going, but, but I, I lit it, and I'm, and I'm going in. You know, and I don't know if it just got so hot or whatever that it was just at a flashing point. It was like, you know, it burned real easy. But I started going in there like this. And when I got the match close, man, it was crazy. Like this ball of fire just came out of the grill. And, I mean, I literally saw it, and I could see it, like, go around my head. And so I'm just like, and I just see you're in the spit zone. Um, and so it starts going around my head and it's just back here like this. And um, I thought it was like the day of Pentecost, you know, flaming tongues on your head, that kind of thing. And, 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 but it goes around my head like this. And the only reaction I had was that of a four-year-old little girl. I'm just telling you, I was like, ah, and, and I squealed. And I backed up, and, and, and I just naturally turned this way. And Susan was in the kitchen. She thought she had just lost her husband, was about to collect life insurance. She comes running out, and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, ah. I didn't even know. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I'm okay. And then we start laughing hysterically, but I could see my eyebrows. And they were, like, kind of dangling down. And it looked like the ashes off of the end of a cigarette or something. They were just burned. And I knew I was preaching the next day. And so I'm like, great. And then I went in and looked. She's like, you got to go look in the mirror. And so I walked in there and looked in the mirror. And, and I looked in there, and my hair was singed. I mean, it was like about a half inch on, on every little hair on my head. You know, like, Jesus knows the hairs on it. Well, every one of the hairs on my head was singed. And so it was, it was just little, and it looked red. It was like red little crinkly stuff. And I was like, I got to preach tomorrow. So it was like, call Denise. She's a lady who cuts hair that we're good friends with. I was like, call her, see if she can cut my hair. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so I went and took a shower. A lot of it washed out. But the next day, I looked like I had highlights or something <laughs> in my hair because it was, it was like that. But I was thinking about that this week, and that story came back to my mind. And I was like, thinking about that, I was like, you know, that's what the Spirit of God, that's what God longs to do to us. He longs to consume us with the fire of his love and the power that is in him. 
That's what he wants for us is to consume us to the point where we, we, we just know, man, this is what I was born to do. This, there's no doubt in my mind, God has called me to reach people for his kingdom, to share the love of Jesus with everybody I come into contact with. Do you want to be consumed like that? Do you want the fire of God to burn in you so much? See, this is what was on my heart during worship today, is that we would put the devil on notice that we are coming after every lost person that we can get our hands on today. That we would let him know that, that, that it is on. That it is on. It's like when you draw the line in the sand when you're little and you're like, cross that line, bro, and we're going at it. I'm sorry. And then they cross down and you're like, cross that line, man. And you, I'm telling you, it's going to be bad. You don't want to cross that second line. All right, I'm about to open up a can of something. You know? and, and so we, 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 we would tell the devil, no, there's no line. There's nothing. We are coming. We are about to bring it in the Statesboro, Georgia, and in the surrounding area to every lost person that needs to know Jesus and his salvation. I want to tell you how this has got to happen. I want to tell you, number three, out of this same scripture. See, the word there in Acts 1-8 for power is dunamis. It's spelled D-Y-N, not D-U-N. It's dunamis. What word do you think maybe came from the word dunamis? Not Deuteronomy. That's what somebody said in the first service. Dynamite. Dynamite. This is what God wants us to have is an experience explosion in our spirit that overflows on everybody that we come into contact with. And it goes on and says there in Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power. Now, this is cool. Key number three is this, that the Holy Spirit works through us when we're in obedience and surrender. So we've got to realize our need to go mobile. We have to get to a point where um, we realize that the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to do this. And then the third thing is we've got to surrender and be obedient when, we, when he calls us. That word there for rece- we'll receive, it's a Greek word. And, and I always sound like a, um, speaking Spanish when I try to say Greek words. But hang in there with me. It's lambano. Um, and, and, and the word actually means to receive, just as it says. But there's another meaning to it that is awesome. And, and what it means is to take hold of. So that when you read this and it says you will receive, it is as though you receive by surrender and then the Holy Spirit takes hold of your life and begins to use it in the lives of other people. That's a cool thought. Let that sink in a minute. That the God of the universe wants to take hold of your life as though you were picking up a hammer, as though somebody grabbed a tool and began to build something. He wants to take hold of your life and begin to use you in an amazing way to touch the world. We get to be a part of that. Is that not awesome? But what has to happen is we have to get to a point where we're willing to surrender to him. That we're willing to be obedient. Listen, even Jesus did this. Even Jesus did this. You remember this? When he was baptized in the river Jordan, he comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. And it says the next thing happened was that he was led by the Spirit into the desert. He was tempted by, by Satan for, for 40 days. He comes out, and when he comes out, it says he left there in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, there is a battle that goes on inside every one of us. And it is this. Am I going to do it my way, or am I going to do it God's way? Am I going to live my life God's way or my way? Has that not been the battle since the very beginning? Jesus had opportunity. He could have set himself up as, as king of the world. The devil said, listen, all this stuff has been given to me. I'll give it to you. Jesus could have set himself up right there, kingdom. 
But Jesus knew that we would still be lost in our sin. He was not willing to depart from the cross. See, the Holy Spirit had laid hold of him. How many of you have ever been laid hold of by something? Something laid hold of you. Some of you have been laid hold of by fear or anxiety. Some of you have been laid hold of because you smarted off in a bar and somebody used your face for a punching bag, right? You got laid hold of. Some, you know, I remember one time I was about four or five. You know this was, this was like burned in my mind if I remember it when I was like four or five years old. I was outside. I was riding my bicycle. Um, my cousin Dusty um, wanted my bicycle. I put it down a minute. He gets on it. He's riding my bike. I'm like, uh-uh, that's my bike. You don't get my bike. And so I go over and I'm like, how am I going to get my bike back from him? And so reasoning in my four or five-year-old mind, I said, I will just jerk his hands off the handlebars. I'm not negotiating this. I'm not talking him down from it. I'm just taking this baby back. And so he's there. He's riding, riding my bike. So I just walked up, boom, jerked his hands off the handlebars, boom. He goes down, he's screaming, he falls off the bike. I pick it up, I was like, that's what I thought, sucker. And I got my bike. And then about the time I get my hands on the bike, I feel something like this. I thought I had gotten away with it, man. He's back there crying, I'm like, <laughs> and, and, and I feel something grab my, the back of my shirt like this. And I'm like, man, what is that? That can't be good. And I turn around and it's my dad in his coaching short. No, he wasn't in his coaching short. But, <laughs> But it was my dad, and he's like dragging me through the house. And I'm like, this ain't good, man. And, and so we get in there, and I don't know if you've ever said something really stupid before in your life. I'm sure you have, and you wish you could have it back. I don't know if you've ever said something stupid before in your life, and you realize you were saying it in the process of actually speaking it. But this happened to me. He comes in, and I'm thinking, I'm about to die. Well, he just pop, pop, pops a couple of times on my rear end. And, and the dumbest thing I've ever said came out of my mouth that day. I turned around, and it was like slow motion. I was like, that didn't hurt. <laughs> And then I really think from that point, I blacked out. I don't remember. Everything was a blur. My dad starts taking off his belt. He's like, Phew. and it's just like, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody do this, but he pulls it out and it's like, Phew. and it's like hitting the belt loop. says so he's going, to, Phew. and then he stood there for a second. It was like he was like um, Darth Vader or something, you know, he's like, Phew. and then he grabs my hand. And the next thing I know is like, I'm spinning around in circles. I'm trying to get away. And, and before he even started hitting me, I was apologizing. I was like, dad, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it, dad. It hurt. It hurt. Look, my honey's red, dad. My honey's red. But he beat me. But I learned real quick what it was to be laid hold of, right? Uh, there's no doubt in my mind what it means to be laid hold of, to have somebody else directing your life other than yourself. And so he was direct. There, I was not getting away. That beating was coming, whether I liked it or not. But in a good way, the Holy Spirit wants to come and take hold of our lives. He wants to come and grab hold and direct us and use us and lead us. I can't think of a greater privilege than being used by the mighty hand of God. How awesome is that? That we could be used as a tool in the hand of God. And you and I can do that. We can do it. But the key to this is, folks, listen, you can't do it until you go to your own cross. There's a version of Christianity that's all about us. Let me tell you, this gospel is not all about us. It's about us to a degree. But then your salvation becomes about bringing other people into the kingdom. It's about us taking the gospel and, and the love of Jesus to other folks and letting them come into the same knowledge of him that we have. The love and the grace and the forgiveness, the justification, which if you don't know what that means, listen, it's not forgiveness. It is as though you never did anything wrong. It's not just saying you're forgiven and it's still on your record. It's saying the record is spotless and clean. 
And there are people who need to hear that and know that and know that this is the God that we serve, but we've got to do it. We've got to surrender our lives. We've got to become obedient. See, everybody in here, I guarantee you, almost every person in this room today, there is something that you have been running from. There is something that you've been trying to hide. There is something that, that, you, that you don't want to deal with that is in your life right now. And some of it is because you are stubborn. Listen, as I'm stubborn as they, can, as they come. But there comes a point when you have to surrender. Ask Susan how stubborn I am. That's my wife. She will tell you how stubborn. I'm standing out here during worship. In the first service, the Lord put on my heart that I, that I needed to come down here and kneel. And I'm like, see, it's not like this. Like this right here, the only people that would have seen me were like the second row, right? But I'm down, I'm out there worshiping. I'm like, yeah, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And God's like, if you love me so much, go get on your knees at the altar. I'm like, I don't, it kind of looks bad, God. The pastor, I mean, they're going to be thinking like, what'd he do last night? You know, why is he trying to get right, right before he preaches, you know? But I just knew that God was saying, go get on your knees. And so I went down there and got on my knees. And then we come up and, and in this service and they're playing that first song, which was so good, you know, tell the world, tell the world. And, and I'm like, man, I want to jump. God's just telling me to jump. And so I start jumping up and down. And I'm like, boy, I look stupid. I do. I, I got to look stupid. I mean, because here it is. Listen, I, I worked out my legs on Friday and, and that was the first time I'd done my legs in like four months. And so I could hardly walk, much less jump up and down. And then I'm just glad we're on a slab so I wouldn't go through, you know, just bouncing up and down. But there comes a point in life when you just have to make up your mind. I'm surrendering to God and whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to run from it anymore. The things that are in my life, and, and you, know, you roll your eyes, do whatever you want to do. The things that are in your life need to be gone. We need to surrender to him if we believe what we say we believe. If we don't believe it, that's fine. Let's just admit it. Right? Amen. Let's just admit it. Let's just say, no, I don't believe it. Because then you're free to do whatever you want to do. But if you're going to say, I live for Jesus Christ, then let's live for Jesus. Let's go after him with everything we've got. Let's surrender our lives to him because running from it will not get you anywhere. You can have the same stuff in your life, the same junk in your life. You can beat that dead horse all you want to thinking that the same pattern in my life is gonna help me. It's going to, it's gonna eventually bring life. You can beat that dead horse all you want to, but I can promise you this, that dead horse is not getting up. It is dead. Sin, our way, always leads to death. It always leads to death. You can't beat it long enough and hard enough to make it get up and walk and pull the load of your life. The only thing that's going to pull the load of your life is Jesus Christ. And when you surrender yourself to him, you surrender yourself to him. Listen, I got a friend, last story, I think. Um, I got a friend uh, who spent some time in the penitentiary. Um, actually goes to this church and for the sake of not embarrassing him, I'm not going to say his name, but let's just for this story, say his name was Joe, right? Um, and, uh, so his name's Joe. And so we, we, we're talking one day and we're all talking about church and things that are going on. And, um, and, and he looks at us and he goes, yeah, I remember when I was in youth detention and, (laughs) It was so funny because I thought he was going to tell me a story about his youth group. And he goes, I, I remember when I was in youth detention. And he's like, I was a runner. And he starts telling me this story. And he says, one day I got this, basically like this little sucker, right? Who was in the, in the detention center with him. And he gets him and he talks him into running with him. Like, we're going to escape. We're out of here, man. And so he talks this guy into going and running with him. And so he ends up getting him there, and he, they're playing basketball. And, and down the hill, there was uh, the wood line. And so he's like, listen, we're going to throw the ball down there to the wood line. And when we get down there, man, you got to start running. 
And don't you look back. Don't you stop. And Joe said, listen, man, he's like, I knew I was willing to do what it took to get away. I didn't know about him. I figured I didn't have to outrun the, the, the guards. I just had to get past him. And so he's got this guy that's going to run with him. And so they roll the ball down the hill, and then they go down there to get it. And as soon as they get to the wood, like, gone, running through the woods, running through the woods. And then they're gone. And, and so they take off. But I asked him, I was like, well, how did that turn out? He's like, it wasn't real good, you know, because every time they caught you, it was always worse than it was before. I started thinking about it. It was was a funny story. And they're thinking about him just taking off and running, trying to drag this guy with him as almost a um, divergence, you know. And I started thinking about that. But I thought about it in our spiritual life. How much are we like that? That we want to run from things. We're running from the reality of God. We're running from the reality that God is tugging on our heart and asking us to surrender to him so that he can use us in a real and mighty way. And the problem is this. You will always be caught. The Bible says that some sin's obvious right now. Some things in your life are obvious right now, but eventually it's all coming to the surface. So my challenge to you today is this. Are you at a point where you're willing and ready to surrender to God? Are you ready to quit trying to do it your way and live for Christ? Are you ready to do this? This does not make sense, but are you ready to die so that you can live? Paul said, listen, I die daily. I was reminded of my sinfulness this week. I'm reminded of it all the time because every time I press into God, I begin to see who I am. And it's not good. But then every time God says, yes, but I have made a way for you through Jesus. You're not perfect and you won't be this side of heaven, but I've made a way for you through Christ. And so I have to live every day at the foot of the cross, surrendering my sinful nature to him that he could use me, that he could fill me with the power of his Holy Spirit so that we could be used by him. That's what he's calling us to, is to a surrender, to giving our lives to him. Paul said, listen, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. Is that what you want today? If it is, then surrender yourself to him. He is here. He is real. Listen, I, I have no doubt in my mind that if you will give yourself to him today, he will show himself faithful in your life because that is his character. He does not know how to be unfaithful. He can't go against himself. He has to be faithful. He will be faithful to you through good and bad, through mountaintop and valley. But it takes us surrendering. It takes, and that's just the honest truth. And we can mock it, we can laugh at it, we can say what we want to say. But I'll tell you this, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You can bow now and you can kneel now or you can be made to kneel then. Right? Let's pray.